Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Talking Movies with Max and Tim. I'm Max. I'm Tim. We're back after a week-long hiatus. Doesn't really feel like a, a uh, hiatus, because we were busy. We shot a movie. A horror movie. Uh, yeah, it went really well. Um, it was really intense, though. It was six days of... Uh, pretty much non-stop shooting um and i know last week we talked about the possibility of maybe recording a podcast while we're out there but it was just it just wasn't going to happen any free time was designated for eating and sleeping yes and even that was in few uh few and far between yeah we were we did we we shot so much it was crazy Chris and I were looking at some of the footage and when we were done logging it and archiving it, um, we have 1,424 takes that we shot in six days. Now that's like not different setups. It's not different shots, but different takes in, you know, including all the different takes of each shot. Um, that's not including doubles of certain things. That's that's the real insane thing about this project is that it like literally a month ago the movie was an idea. It was like, "Hey, why don't we uh why don't we shoot a horror movie?" Cuz Chris and Ryan Fitzgerald were thinking about coming up from the city and they were like, "Yeah, you know, we think uh sometime in October we'll come up for a couple days and hang out." And wouldn't it be fun to just shoot a horror movie while we're up? And I'm like, "Yeah, that'd be that'd be really fun." And from those, and that was that was a month ago, and from those discussions, it kind of just turned into something much much larger. Suddenly, there was a script, and then we had to get actors, and we had to lock down a location, and we lost our location, and we had to f- scramble to find a new location, building props, building all kinds of stuff. Um, and we shot the whole thing in a week, and now we have pretty much a week from today from this recording to uh to edit the whole thing compose the music record original songs you're still doing some pickup shots i'm still i (laughs) still tomorrow i gotta go out and during the day and shoot some pickup shots with uh with with matt hauck one of the actors it's just it's crazy uh it's it's a it's a miracle that we're even doing this podcast right now with uh the amount of stuff that has been going on it's a miracle that i was able to squeeze in the time to uh to watch the movie of of this week blair witch project in and which some people go out into the woods to make a movie exactly and that's why i thought it was kind of appropriate to uh start this podcast by a little with a little uh <laughs> you know shameless self-promotion <laughs> um and talk about kind of what we were doing because it, it does kind of tie in are, are you getting any of this noise yeah it's okay is that's not going to get on the it's fine okay sorry it's like that i mean i it's been like that for the other uh i didn't really notice it before i didn't know if it was more because it was cold or something there's a um a desk here that was once a piano and it's really cool because all of the strings like there's no keys on on the on the bench on the on where the desk part is there's like you know just some some wood but up on on the on the wall side of the desk, all the, the piano strings are exposed. 
so you can do that. But it echoes quite a lot. You make loud noises. As you were saying, in regards to you. Well, as I was saying, as I was saying, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it was funny because I mean, I I just watched Blair Witch last night. Um, as did I. <laughs> uh, not not together. We didn't actually plan it that way. It just kind of worked out. Because um, I actually shot some some more pickup shots last night, and then I had to go home and make a uh, music breakdown for for Steve. And uh, then after that, finally, when I was all done and I sent the footage to Chris and everything, um, I had some time to watch the movie. And uh, I couldn't help but, while watching it, think about the experience that we had just gone through making a low-budget horror movie. Like, nowhere, we approximate budget is like, well, we we raised uh, $1,200 through an Indiegogo campaign online crowdsourced um and that was able to cover that pretty much covers our location basically um at the time that the indiegogo campaign was launched we had a location locked down which we weren't going to have to pay for but uh that fell through two days before we were supposed to start shooting so we had to scramble and find a cabin that we could rent and that came to about uh you know about a grand out in Edinburgh, New York, Edinburgh. on the on the Great Sacandaga Lake, the Great Sacandaga, as opposed to North Hudson, which is what I think it was last episode we talked about that in Frontier Town. And yeah, so this is that not was the nowhere same location. near there. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so we, in all, we probably spent about four thousand dollars so far on the movie. Which is really, really cheap for the amount of stuff that we were able to pull off. But it, it was a great, really, really great experience. The, the whole cast and crew was just amazing. And, um, yeah, I can't wait for this thing to be done and for people to see it. Um, it just came together so fast. It's just, it's just nuts. But, yeah, watching Blair Witch Project, I couldn't help but think about, you know, like the ultra-low-budget, independent filmmaking horror movie. And just like how, and th- this is the first time either Tim or I have have seen the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Um. But I was just impressed with just how effective it is for for how little they actually really had to like produce. Like they're they're you know with the, what we just shot, there's some extravagant um, special effects going on. Um, a lot of, you know, in, some intricate costume work and some fancy, uh, fancy props and such. But with Blair Witch, there's none of that. It doesn't rely on any, anything. There's some bloody teeth wrapped up. <laughs> there's a little... that's, that's the special effect. Yeah. And, oh yeah, we should say spoilers. Um, cause we're going to talk about the whole thing. Um, but if you listen to last week's, then you should probably know. That that's that's what we're gonna do. So yeah, spoilers. There's some bloody teeth. Yep. I wasn't sure at first what it was that she opened up when she opened it. I wasn't sure if it was teeth or or not. But then she kind of opens it up a little bit yeah. more, and then and then you can see. Okay, it was creepy enough when it was like, oh, it's a tooth, and it's like, oh my god, it's all of. Well, I assume Josh's teeth. It could have been anybody's teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah, you assume that it's Josh's. Yeah. But. 
And then the night before, the screaming they heard, it sounded like somebody gagging. And they're like, oh, is that Josh? And they go out in the woods, and like, that could have been them listening to him getting his teeth pulled out. It's, there's, that's one of the great things about the movie is the noise is it's like, oh, that could have been mm-hmm. this. That mm-hmm. could have been. You don't, you don't even know, enti- we don't know The entire anything. thing is just left to your imagination. That That's really, like, the whole movie is literally just, like, you see nothing. Yeah. You literally see nothing happening. There, you know, and the scariest moments are always when, you know, it's at nighttime and they wake up in the tent and they're like, oh my God, you hear that? And it's just black. So for, there'll be, you know, a few minutes worth of just like, or at least maybe about a minute of just black where, you know, the camera's on, but like, or the audio's recording or something and you're, you're not, but you're not seeing anything. And yeah, that's scary stuff. And you're just hearing that weird sort of tree cracking sound in the woods or like the stone stacking or whatever that weird sort of sound is out there. Yeah, whatever it was, because we don't know. (laughs) Um, And like the acting, there are a few moments where it's a little too actorly. Brief moments. Right. For the most part, though, it's just very... It's like, oh, when you're hanging out with your friends and you point a camera at one of them, that's how people act. Yeah. And then when they're all terrified, it's it's very effective. Because, like, these people are actually scared. Totally. Yeah. Um, and not to uh, bring it back to, like, nowhere, but... <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the exciting things about that project that, that we just shot was, was that, uh, you know, I really wanted to capture what the feeling of like going out into the woods with your friends and like, cause it's so many like slasher movies and horror movies. You, the, you, the premise is like a group of friends going out into the woods somewhere. And when, when they all get killed one by one or bad things happen or whatever, but like very rarely do you ever think that they, you you imagine yourself and your friends in, in that position because the characters just don't act like regular people yeah. would act. Or, or like I think about, um, and then there's always they always force on on the onto the characters like this interpersonal drama, like in say for instance like Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean uh, not Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Friday Thirteenth, uh, Part Three, where there's there's like oh we got to have like the nerdy guy. So here's like you know Shelley and like nobody likes me. It's like, why do they even hang out with him? <laughs> why are they bringing? Why are they? And then there's like the guy that they all hate, like you know, like the the asshole guy who's just like, I don't care, I'm, I'm gonna do what I want. Like, why do you bring that guy with you when you go out? Like, who put these people together if they don't like each and other? And like the hippie couple who's like ten years older than everybody else or something. Like, I don't. Yeah, it's just like why. Why are you all going out on the weekend? Like, was it like some organized trip where it's like we all have to? <laughs> we don't like each other, but you know, it's mandated that we all go out. We're part of this program. <laughs> We're part of the, you know, the signed up through our community center. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, it's nice. Like that's that is one of the really great things about Blair Witch is that it feels it feels like it's just these these people who are friends, and it, you kind of get the sense that like they don't know well, two each other friends and then they don't know yeah there's the mike one, who's yeah, like they the kind of don't really is, know yeah um he's just there for the for the production um and that's another thing like just having it just the three characters i think just made it so much better yeah because in a lot of slasher films or like horror stuff where you have a group it's like 
you know, you have at least like five, maybe. And we have five to maneuver six. to like get each person alone to die. Exactly. At some point. Yeah. In this, it was just like you got the three, and they just wake up, and Josh is gone, and that's it. So much more scary than like we see Josh go out to take a piss at night, you know, <laughs> and then he gets it. Yeah. It'd be interesting to like go through some of like the older like slasher films and edit out the sequences where you actually like have the characters killed. Mm-hmm. So all you see is just like every now and then a character will be like, what happened? where's Ned? I haven't seen Ned in a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just sort of like from the perspective of who would it be? I guess like whoever is the last standing. Yeah. Like all just the final girls. Well, usually final right, girls. Right. Uh, Any scenes that they are in. Yeah. It would also be interesting to edit out all of, like, the death scenes in, like, say, a Friday 13th movie and just watch the characters together. <laughs> like, how entertaining would that be? <laughs> Probably not very. <laughs> I don't know. I Part two, I like a lot of those people. I don't know. I, I mean, was sad to see them go. <laughs> they have their moments. In, yeah. You know, there are characters that kind of pop up that you're like, oh, this this person's cool. You know, like, we like Crispin Glover in part four. We like, you know. <laughs> but for the most part, they're just all the, the same, and we don't really care about them. Yeah. And um, it's interesting to think of this in relate, like, the Blair Witch Project in relation to slasher films, um, which, yeah, they have the thing in common of, like, going out into the woods. It could be a slasher film, because we don't, really know if it is something supernatural or if there is just some guy it could be the um i think her name was mary brown that they talked to at the beginning maybe she just followed them out there and just was like killing them could be um i actually i after i watched it the first time last night just just a few hours ago before coming to record this i rewatched the first few minutes of the movie before they go out into the woods just to like listen to some of the stuff the townspeople said to like give it a different perspective after having seen what actually happens and stuff and when they go to her trailer she has this gate on her sidewalk Mm -hmm. um and heather the main girl well the girl uh in the movie says like i don't even know how to open this thing and like the gate looks so much Like like something that they find later yeah. like just this thing made from twigs yeah, like, t- like together twine tied yeah with sticks tied together or whatever yeah i think i think that sort of idea was probably very purpose yeah they they, pur- they did that on purpose to sort of plant the idea that like maybe this is what it is because that's kind of the fun in the movie is like you they don't explain anything to you they just drop the characters into this situation and um they provide you with certain a few different ideas of what it could be. Yeah, there's there was a hermit out in the woods who killed some kids. Right. In the way that the characters are killed at the end, where right. one of them has to face the corner and the other one is killed. Mm-hmm. Which is a, such a creepy shot, and I wish that I hadn't uh, seen it earlier outside of the context of the film. Yeah, that, was, that had been spoiled for me as well. Yeah. So was, I knew that that was an image from the movie towards that was by the end i didn't know if there was more to that like the end sequence but yeah i i do really wish that that hadn't been spoiled for me as well i think it was in this 
program on Bravo a few years ago, like the 100 scariest moments of horror movies, and which was such a weird title because some of them were just the whole movie, which isn't a moment. Yeah, I remember. Um, <laughs> I remember that uh, that special, and they had people come on. Like I just remember like Eli Roth being one of them. I remember Misty Monday um, talking about in Roman Polanski's The Tenant when Roman Polanski's character finds a tooth in the wall, and that my mind went to that when I was watching the the tooth scene uh-huh. in Blair Witch. Which could that's probably just coincidental. They're not really related in any other way, but yeah, I it was either there's so. there, there's a lot of creepy scenes involving teeth in movies, though. So. Yeah, it's funny how like teeth are this kind of there's this universal sort of fear almost about teeth. Like people, like the the, the losing your teeth in a dream is like a common uh, dream, reoccurring dream that people have. Mm. Have you ever had a? I don't think I have had that. I have kind of where it's like I'll like sometimes in a dream I'll bite down on something and it just feels like your teeth just kind of like you just like bend out and like kind of just fall they're like not attached to your gums properly or something yeah so it is this kind of like inherently um I don't know fear it's an inherent fear that we have that we're gonna lose our teeth I don't know why I did have a dream this morning after watching the Blair Witch Project, which I finished watching at around 6 a.m. As did I, which is funny that um, we ended up watching it at the same time, but not in the same location um, or even on the same format. <laughs> I watch it on uh, my sister's VHS copy and uh, you download it. I, okay? I downloaded yeah. it, yeah. Um, but it was, I, I sort of was, expe- I, it, the movie creeped me out. Def- like I wasn't definitely. like freaking out or anything, but I was like, my heart, my heart creepy. was pumping, you know, yeah. I was like, you know, it was intense. Um, and I was almost like, Oh, I don't, I bet I'm going to have some sort of dream related to this when I finally get to sleep. Um, and I did, but it wasn't anything scary. It was just, it was a dream of just all these people I knew arguing because that's so much of the movie. It's just people arguing. And apparently that's what my mind decided to like yeah, that's, seize upon that's for the dream. Is everybody was just arguing. And like, <laughs> so it was very stressful. Yeah, it was a very, it was, uh, it was an uncomfortable dream. It wasn't a scary dream. It was just an uncomfortable dream. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you kind of mentioned like some of the moments felt a little bit actorly. Like when it was in some of those scenes that I felt like it was kind of more apparent that they were like certain things might have been a little forced. When the sound guy's name is Mike, right? Mm-hmm. I keep not, right. so when Mike admits to kicking the map into the into lake, the stream, into or the whatever, stream yeah. it's so like that's not how somebody would say that, right? If they ever would admit to it at that point, mm-hmm. like where he's laughing and he's like, oh, "I kicked it." It's like I don't know, just. It doesn't. It doesn't really make any. It wasn't sense. doing any good to anybody. <laughs> I just got rid of it. And they're like, "That doesn't make any sense." He's like, "No, you didn't need it." Yeah, that was weird. And I don't know. I don't. I don't remember any moments like that with Josh. Um, uh, as far as like, I think he had the most consistent performance. As far as the actors go, there's nothing is sticking out in my memory right now. Mm-hmm. He also did the least to piss me off or anything, so it's upsetting that he was the one who disappeared first. 
Yeah, that's kind of like, I mean, that's, it's funny because I, you know, people have different personalities and stuff. Yeah. So that's kind of how I gauge my, like the believability of certain scenarios where it's like, would I react that way? You know, would I get, just start yelling at this person? Yeah. And in that way, like, you know, Mike just kind of like jumping to be like yelling at Heather about stuff felt a little like, well, I wouldn't do that. Cause I feel like you find yourself in that situation and like, yeah, tensions are going to be running high, but you kind of like band together in a very kind of strong way. I feel like the, uh, the need to kind of be not at each other's throats would just kind of supersede any kind of like personality differences or anything. Like, okay. So Mike's frustrated that they're lost. Why would he kick the map into the, into the stream? And then it's just like, oh, well, Josh crumpled it up anyway, so... I don't know, which I actually... Wait, that's not even in the movie. I'm sorry, on my VHS copy that I was watching, after the end credits, there's another scene. There's, like, a little thing that says, like, later on this footage was also found or something. What? (laughs) And there's just, like, this one scene, and it's Heather filming them on the video camera... And it's just Josh and Mike lying in the tent. And it's kind of like a calm moment. And they're just joking. And then, like, the map comes up again through a joke. And then it becomes an argument. Because everything becomes an argument at some point in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then it's... But that's all it is. That's it was just weird. like an added little thing on the tape. But, but there's a lot of extra stuff to this movie. There, it was one. I feel like it was one of the first movies that had that whole thing going where... Like, a couple of years later, uh, Donnie Darko kind of did this, where it's like, oh, you watch the movie, but also there's this website, and also there's, like, this, um, there was a TV special on Sci-Fi Channel, which went further into the myth of the Blair Witch, and, like, even uh, the movie Blair Witch 2, which I haven't seen. Um, and I have not seen either. It's actually, I've heard mostly negative things but i did read a positive review once i think it was in video watchdog um and it was talking about how it focuses on people who like saw the blair witch project and they're looking into like the stories around like burkittsville and they're like really into the whole phenomena now the sequel it's not shot in the same way no it's it's like like a traditional narrative it's more like okay yeah and in this world of the of the sequel, it's like the Blair Witch Project, the movie that we, the viewers, see of the first one, like, existed also in this world. Like, it wasn't like a fake, it wasn't like a fictional documentary, it was an actual, they right. actually found the right, footage. Right. And, yeah. yeah, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is weird to uh, have the sequel not in the same style. Yeah. Especially since, like, that was what was so inherent to the, why the Blair Witch Project was so successful. I think that might be why they went in that direction, because then... I don't know if it was the same writer, directors, or what, but, like, whoever was behind it was probably like, well, we don't want to just keep doing that. Right. I mean, that makes sense. And then, like, a lot of people have done that since then. Yeah. And um, it had been done before, Um not to that extent, maybe, but, like, Cannibal Holocaust was, like, 1979, 1980, and, like, a good portion of that is just, oh, we found this footage, mm. and they're watching it. The film stands on its own, but then in addition to it, 
there was also like this other stuff which made it like its own universe sort of i mean i mean that's happened to other films after the fact like when you look at like the star wars universe Mm-hmm. There's, yeah, there's the films, and then there's all this other stuff that's happened in the ensuing decades, like different books and, like, even just fan fiction and, like... Yeah, video games. It's what's, it's what's referred to as the expanded universe. Yeah. But then there were, like, these films uh, within a couple of years of each other, like The Blair Witch Project and Donnie Darko, that came with, like, these prepackaged universes. <laughs> mm. And, I mean, that's... That is what's cool about The Blair Witch is that it really just, like, because it is so left to your imagination, it just, it gives you the sense that there's more to that world than what we ever experience. Yeah. And it leads you to just imagine these different kinds of, like, scenarios of what it could actually be. And I think one thing that um, really helps with that is the performances of the... uh like the townspeople they interview. Yeah, I, just, they I, just I seem kept like wondering, real people like, you know, are they just real people that they found? And it made me question, like, is the Blair Witch legend, like, based on, is is the movie based on, like, a real legend? And they went out and interviewed, like, real people who, like, know of this legend, and then they kind of fictionalized these events. Because it just seemed like they were just, just real. And it just sets up the whole mood that, you know, what we are about to experience is in the real world and that it uh, it actually did happen or it could happen. One thing that um, I thought about briefly the fr- when I watched it the first time through and then this evening when I watched the first few minutes again, um, the, in the opening shot when you meet Heather, like someone's holding the video camera and she's like, hi, this is my room and you hear like, the guy's voice. Um, we never meet whoever that is. Is it Josh? Jo- in the next scene, like there's this, oh, in the next scene, Josh is yeah. Josh arriving. shows up and she's like, "Oh, hello, Mister Punctual." Or right, Mr. Punctuality, that's right. That's right. Um, and it could have been Josh, and then like you know, it's the next day he's arriving for the shoot, but mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like his voice. It, it sounds is like it there's like her boyfriend. Or? It could be like her boyfriend. We don't know because like it's she just never, this one shot. She never shot. talks about a boyfriend later yeah. on. Like when she ha- has the camera in like the sort of in the famous shot from the movie where it's like she's pointing it at herself and she's crying and she's saying like you know I'm sorry mom I'm sorry dad yeah she talks about her parents but she, I don't she doesn't talk about anybody else I don't think in a personal kind yeah. of yeah and like and it's just the one shot because then clearly it's a handheld shot because they're saying they have to back up to get it in focus. And then after the cut, she's she's holding the camera and looking Mm -hmm. at um, the books she's taking with her. Right. Although you still hear whoever's voice it is in the background saying something like, oh, that's a really old-looking book, or something clever like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It's weird how there's these characters, like, whoever was holding the camera, we really don't know. Um, And then when Mike leaves his house for the last time ever he kind of yells in the door bye mom oh yeah and it's like there's like his like off-screen person and then josh mentions well into the movie like oh my girlfriend's gonna notice i'm not here yeah yeah. or i'm not there um and it's just interesting how they're not they're developed enough they're not loading us with exposition that we don't really need yeah they're giving us because you wouldn't 
like go out in the woods and like the whole time be like, oh well, I live on this street and I went to this school. Right, or I like have, this, is, this, my, is, my this is my day and, job and this is yeah, like, yeah. All it's that just they drop these little bits need. in when they come up organically in the story. Yeah, I, I admired that, and it helps create the universe because they've got their own existence. Yeah. Now I wonder, like, I've heard a little bit about how the movie was made. Um, but it was a long time ago and it was before I watched the movie. So I'm not exactly sure how much of it was actually true. But from what I heard is it's like the filmmakers basically just dropped the three actors in the woods with the, the cameras and the sound equipment, just like the characters are. Yeah. And just had them shoot it all themselves. And uh, each day they would basically give them sort of like this is what you this is what we want you to shoot today and then uh they would just leave them alone out in the woods to kind of just shoot it but then um, at night and then at night the director well the co-directors um right come out and they would make the noises that would scare them okay yeah i didn't i didn't know that part but it makes sense and they probably didn't know exactly what was going to happen that night yeah like I what the imagine. noises would be or right. when which that's my, I mean, I have vague recollections of reading about that when it came out, but I just like did a little like quick research after watching the movie, mm. um, today. And that's, uh, I think in, um, in Roger Ebert's review, he mentioned that, which was a very positive review. Ebert, he was four stars from Roger Ebert, um, which he wasn't always, uh, very positive about horror films but he admired how much of it was just left up to the imagination mm-hmm. yeah i mean it really proves just like how little you need to like make an effective movie like you don't you don't need like good cameras you don't need good lighting you don't need anything really you just need something compelling and in the, our last episode, when we very briefly talked about The Mist, um, you had mentioned how, uh, you know, like, often it's best to leave things to the imagination and not show things. Right, And yeah. um, as an example, uh, we mentioned Robert Wise's The Haunting from 1963. And I just learned today when just looking at stuff online that um, the same at the same time that The Blair Witch Project came out, the remake of The Haunting came out. Uh, which right. was full of special effects. That's true. And I don't believe anybody remembers it positively. I um, I remember it. I get it confused because at that time, like 1999, 2000, 2001 kind of area, yeah. there was suddenly like a ghost craze of movies because like the Sixth Sense happened. And yep. then there was like a whole bunch of like ghost movies. At that the beginning out. of uh, my copy of Blair Witch, there was a trailer for Stir of Echoes, Kevin Bacon. Right. And that was right around the time when I was first getting into horror movies. And, like, and so I was going to see, like, I saw a lot of them. Like, I went and saw The Sixth Sense in the theater, which is remarkable because I actually, I didn't know what the ending was. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, that's one of the movies that I'm like, I'm glad I saw that in the theater because I had no idea what it, what it was all about. You know, pre-internet days. I mean, the internet existed, but it was like. I, I wasn't really going online at all. Um, when I watched it, I had a vague idea of what the ending was, mostly because in you know people would talk about it 
um, they wouldn't they wouldn't ruin the ending, but they'd be like, oh, it has a surprise ending, kind of like, and then they'd list these other movies which I had seen, right? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't, I, I almost said the names of them right now, but I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Spoil but. the Sixth Sense. No, the other movies. Oh, I got you. <laughs> but let's keep uh, the Sixth Sense unspoiled. Also, there might yeah, be people there, out there. I, I, it'd be, it'd be nice to know that there's like, I mean, I'm sure, like, I mean, younger people. I mean, there's, there's the, the kind of, you know, there's the I see dead people, line that's very common, and I'm sure yeah. people, even if they don't know anything about the movie, maybe have heard that. But yeah, I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there who may not know what the. I watched uh, Psycho with um, our friend Kate a few years ago, and she she hadn't seen it before ever, and she'd heard you know some things because everybody knows that the movie Psycho exists, and right. they know the music, and they know the name Norman Bates. Uh-huh. She didn't know. I almost I it's ridiculous to not want to spoil Psycho. Right, because but, but, you're, like, but you're, I, what you're explaining is like like she I'm didn't, pausing for a she second. She didn't know the spoiler. Yeah. Uh, she didn't know who dies when or where. Right, right. And she didn't know who is really who. Right. That's all I'll say. Because there <laughs> might be people listening who somehow have not seen Psycho. But, if you haven't, go see Psycho, but our, please. But, I mean, that gives a good point. Like, I kind of get annoyed when, like, people will spoil a movie and be like, oh, but that movie's like 20 years old or 50 years old. It's your own fault if you haven't, you know, if you don't know everything about it. But it's like a lot of movies. We're still catching up. We're sorry. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, like, there's a lot of film history there to kind of get through. This Not everybody has seen every ago. movie. We just watched and, like, it this morning. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like, I think we'll we'll try in over the course of this podcast to keep movies unspoiled. Sometimes it's hard when you talk about something like The Sixth Sense or Psycho that are just so ingrained. Yeah. Or like Star Wars, where it's like. <laughs> You know, there's a big twist in Empire Strikes Back that, like, I mean, everybody knows what it is, but maybe there's that one person out there who doesn't. I would, and I would hate to spoil that because that would be such a rare thing in this day and age to be like, to watch something like Psycho and be completely surprised by it or watch something like Empire Strikes Back and be completely surprised. And if you haven't seen the Star Wars films before... <laughs> And you really want to, I recommend watching them in what I think is called the, 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 mach- the machete order. The machete, the machete order. Um, episode four, five, two, three, six. And then um, it should work out well for you as far as keeping surprises away and, uh, and narrative flow. Don't watch one. What, 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 what order, where does this come from? I, I don't know what I was looking up because again I'm not even a, I've mentioned this before like I'm not really that into Star Wars but mm-hmm. somehow I was supposed to be doing homework and I ended up on some Star Wars site because <laughs> I'm a really bad uh, procrastinator and this guy was talking about that's the order that people should watch it in why is it called the machete order I'm not sure I think it explained it in like another article it was linked to or something so um, you watch episode four a New Hope. Episode 5, Empire Strikes Back. Then you watch episode 2. Yeah, so you get to three. know Luke because it's really like, you know, you, you have this character you can identify with and sympathize with. Right. And, um, and then at the end of 5, you a bombshell is dropped and it's a big cliffhanger. And then, and then you go Godfather back. Part 2 style. Right. Then we you kinda, flash back to, 
you know, Darth Vader's origins. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> and then sort of like kind of an understanding and it draws some more parallels between, um, like there are things that happen in return of the Jedi, which you'd end up watching last. Mm-hmm. Um, like with Luke, that sort of parallel parallel things um, that happen in part three, mm-hmm. or episode three, um, and it also makes sense when there's three people standing somewhere at the end of part six, right? And it's like, who the hell's that guy? Um, yeah, we could cut all this out. No, no, this is all <laughs> good. This all right, is all good. Okay, <laughs> none of this really has to do with Blair Witch, but okay. I, it's, it's okay to get on tangents. I mean, you know, right, we talk yeah. about spoilers, and we talk about this, and we talk about that. You know, I'm having a good time. All right. I, I actually haven't even seen episodes one or two, so. Um, but, like, based on the article, he's got me convinced that if I'm ever to show the series to someone who hasn't seen any of them before, that's the way to go. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I feel like you, you can never fail by watching things in the order in which they were chronologically produced. Yeah. Um, that's usually sort of like my fallback when I'm trying to figure out like what, you know, if I'm watching like a show or like two shows at once that kind of cross over or Mm. any series of movies that might have crossovers, like when all else fails, just watch it in the order that it was produced originally. Um, but yeah, that is really interesting, um, to watch it in that way. Kind of lends a little bit of, uh, I don't know, more dynamic kind of storytelling and then episode one would just exist as a separate thing like the ewok adventure which like you know it's there if you want to check it out really that's that's all it is at this point anyway all the like, all I the mean, information that you get from it separate. that you need is reiterated in episode two it, yeah it's episode one is really like the most useless and there are several characters are introduced to that are made a big deal of that you never see again yeah it's it's crazy it really doesn't make any sense how did we get to this anyway um we were talking about how when blair witch project came out there was this sort of like rash of of uh ghost movies oh yeah then we got and how you know (laughs) at the state of horror at that time was comparing the original um haunting to the remake yeah you can really see just like how far how much the the genre was all about like kind of just showing these flashy like showing you all this stuff like there was, you know, and there was thirteen the remake of Thirteen Ghosts, House on Haunted Hill, The Haunting, and all of them like very were, you know, we're all concerned with showing you these spooky ghosts, yeah, putting them right there in your face. And Blair Witch is just all about maybe there's a ghost out there, maybe it's a witch, maybe it's a guy, maybe it's just Mike and Josh fucking around with Heather. <laughs> Which could very well be. That's when you, true. When you think about it, like, maybe, you know, Mike and Josh are like, hey, you know, this Heather girl, like, she kind of, she needs she needs a lesson. And they do it to her. I mean, because Josh disappears. And then, you know, I mean, why is Mike standing in the corner? He's just trying to freak her, freak her out. You know? One thing that every time we get back to that ending, um, I'm reminded of it, um, I thought it was really effective is there are two cameras. There's a 16 millimeter film camera. And then like a VHS kind of video camera. I'm and 
you always know what it adds like some variety to it mm. um and like even though it's like a found footage film in that last sequence as mike and heather are running through the house you actually have like the editing from the two different cameras like you right. could, like every time it cuts you're like okay it's black and white we're with mike mm-hmm. okay now it's color we're with heather and like it it adds to the suspense yeah definitely you can't quite know where they are in relation to each other at all times and and there's that really great moment at the end when mike runs down to the basement and the camera falls over yeah and then but and he has the audio recording equipment right so we're hearing we're seeing uh heather's footage but we're the when we're hearing her voice as it's being recorded down in like the basement area or down in the on the ground floor yeah so we can hear her getting closer and closer even though we don't know the layout of the house or whatever and so we're just seeing from her perspective like racing through these hallways and down the stairs and everything but we know she's getting closer because the audio is getting louder and louder because she's getting closer to the audio recording and uh that was really cool i was uh i thought that was really awesome way to make that really suspenseful and on that note um in regards to that house and everything when they first get out of their car and take off into the woods they leave their car for the last time Mike says something to the effect of like, well, we're off to the shack or shanty or whatever. Does he? He does. (laughs) And I, you know, I didn't really think much of it when I first watched it because I didn't really know like where they were going. Because they're going out to find, to track down these locations. The Coffin Rock and and like a cemetery cemetery, that they're trying to find. Yeah. Um... Like what could he have been referencing? Um, was it could it be just because like um, one of the townspeople had mentioned like oh there was a hermit in the woods who had a shack out there and like he's just joking about like oh we're gonna find that shack maybe I think he or, I think he was he was playing her for a fool I don't know yeah <laughs> it's kind of sad that they died for this film that they were making that based on what we see of it is not a very good no it's one thing to lose your life for a great film yeah it's like that um uh il postino like when the 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 lead actor in il postino i mean that's not a great film it's a very good film you know like he had a heart condition he put off his surgery so that he could finish making the film and then he finishes the film and then he dies and then it goes on to like be nominated for best picture and Mm. like everything um like that's such a like a romantic story but then you're like like, i'm finishing my life's work and this is what i want to leave and And then it's like these three people go out in the woods and and we see like heather's got this very like realistic way of like existing in front of like you know the the camcorder right ever and then all of a sudden like they start rolling on the 16 millimeter and she's like I am standing here in yeah, the cemetery. and it's really awkward, and, like, it's just not shot very well, and it's just, like, kind of... You're like, yeah. this is the movie that they're making? Yeah, I, I thought about and she's not, And every time she has to interview somebody, she she's getting the beginnings of really great she stories. She keeps interrupting them. Yeah. She's like, but what about the face? What, what did the face look like? What did this... And, and like, you know, she <laughs> the poor woman is like, oh, the, she had hair all over her legs. Yeah, but what about her face? Oh, her face? I it just... It was spooky. And it's just like, dude, you're not a very good interview <laughs> interviewer. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty funny. <laughs> and she, you get the idea that she thinks she's great at it. Yeah. And um, which I mean, that's you know, her pride, kind of gets them messed up to begin with. But 
like as far as like, well, I know what way we're going. I don't need to look at that right now. I don't need you to look at the map also because mm-hmm. I know. And then, although I mean, it is possible that the map didn't matter because if it was some something supernatural, they just keep right because they keep they came back to the same law. Yeah, that was actually one moment where I felt like it was a, maybe a little too much in that kind of like spooky direction. Yeah, of course, because I can buy like a lot of the other stuff happening. But like when it's like we we walked for 15 hours in one direction and came back to the same log, it's kind of I don't know, almost it it just feels so set up, you know. Like I never, there's no way to shoot that without like actually like arranging that for that to happen. I never understood um why they didn't just follow the body of water. Yeah, just follow the water. Because they're like, oh, well, here's this body of water. And they keep, they cross a body of water several times. And it's mm-hmm. like, maybe it's the same body of water, but further downstream. And they're just crossing it, crossing it again. Yeah, it's like, why wouldn't you just follow a body of water until it leads to its source? Yeah, I mean, really, like, if you're lost like... in the woods, they say to either <laughs> just stay where you are and just stay put. Or if you can find water, just like follow it she brought that book how to stay alive in the woods or yeah whatever, and it didn't and... <laughs> do her any good <laughs> i don't think we ever actually see it after that first scene i don't know but <sighs> but yeah there was it was a very frustrating movie to watch where you're just like wait no guys listen to me i'm not there in your <laughs> world or anything but i really want to pause this and explain to you what's going on yeah and that's like you know that that is could be like one of the one of the more I don't know, negative things about the movie is that yeah. like, they don't exactly act like you would react in that situation like that. Yeah. But they do a good enough job of like convincing you that these are real people. Yeah. You that believe you that still those can... people would act like that. Yeah. Exactly. Even if it's not something like a rational, they're not really rational people. Right. To such an extent, especially after when you bear in mind when they're there that extra night that they weren't expecting to stay there. They after that they no longer have food. Mm-hmm. They know they no longer have cigarettes. Although a couple of days later, Mike mysteriously is like, Fine. "Oh, I found I two found at the bottom of my pack." At the bottom of my pack, yeah. yeah. And at first, I thought he was just kind of like del- deliriously kind of saying like, imagining that he found yeah. cigarettes and was smoking them. But then I see that he's actually smoking it. I'm like, "Oh, huh." I also feel like you know, after Josh disappears I you know I don't know I I really feel like I would have wanted to get out faster just because it's like all right we can't find Josh like he's gone like we need to get help we need to find someone who can come back and like search for him you know because they they're not doing anything they're just sitting there and it's like yeah you want to wait for him to maybe come back but after a certain amount of time, it's like, if he was anywhere, like, why would, why else would he go off, you know? And then she finds the teeth and, like, doesn't even bother to tell Mike about it. It's like, you find those teeth, you're like, <laughs> okay, like, we are leaving now. We are, I don't care if it gets dark. We're just going to keep walking. We're just going to walk in the dark. I don't even give a shit. Yeah, like, I sort of get the... Uh, rationale behind like not moving in the dark but in a situation like that you just you want to get the hell out of there yeah like i don't want to stand in one i don't want to sit in one spot in a tent wait for like the little kids to come and 
you know, touch the side. Or keep moving at night and maybe camp out during the day. Yeah, like if you how about need that? to sleep. That's a good <laughs> like, idea. I mean, I <laughs> I wouldn't want to walk those woods at night either, but I'd rather be walking those those woods than sitting in a tent waiting for something bad to happen. Uh, when you said the thing about the kids, um, like they hear like children mm-hmm. and possibly like touching the outside of the tent and stuff, uh, that reminded me of the that great scene early on when they're interviewing the woman with the little kid on her Oh, her yeah, arm, that was... And great. he's, like, trying to, like, get her to stop talking, and yeah. it's like, that kid might know something. That yeah. might be one of those things, like, you know, often in movies and with the supernatural, something with, like, animals and children can, like, sense something that's there that maybe adults can't. And he's like, stop talking, because this is... You're gonna just... <laughs> they shouldn't you shouldn't even be thinking about this yeah just let it go and he's just like putting his hand like right out of mouth like yeah that was great and that that's what really makes it feel just like this is these are just totally real people yeah and that could have just been like that kids just it seemed like a natural thing like it yeah. wasn't like hey kid do this yeah and but they you know they left they chose to leave it in and i think it adds to the film totally <sighs> so um yeah, all in all, I mean, I it's funny because back when, when Blair Witch came out, I didn't see it, but there was this strange kind of like stigma attached to it almost, where it's like, for some reason, I just thought like, oh, that's stupid. There was a backlash to the popularity. Yeah, which I think happens because it, like whenever it, anything's yeah, and I it's so dumb because I mean, I was really young. I was like twelve or thirteen, and you know stuff comes out around that time like titanic came out in like 1988 and everybody loved it and i'm you know your immediate reaction to that is just oh that's stupid Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio is stupid <laughs> because all the girls like him so i don't like him but uh yeah so i don't know like i <laughs> it's so irrational to think like for some reason i just always had this idea in the back of my mind that blair witch wasn't very good and there's also like um like De- uh, in Dennis Leary's stand-up, he had a routine where he talked about it, um, and he was just talking about how it was like this really annoying movie full of annoying characters. And uh, in the bit, he says something like, "The whoever he was there with is like, do you want to just go?" And he's like, "No, I'm gonna sit here until every one of those fuckers is dead," or something to that effect. And mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, that must not be a very good movie if that's what." He-. And like on um, on Family Guy. They did a cutaway thing where uh, Brian, um, for those who don't know, Family Guy is a cartoon and Brian is a dog character on it. Anyway, uh, Brian, the dog <laughs> character, is like um, describing movies to blind people. Like, that's what he's doing. I don't remember why. Um, and so the blind guy's sitting next to Brian and he's, you know, watching Blair Witch. And Brian's like, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Something about a map. Nothing's happening. Okay, the movie's over. People in the audience look pissed. And, like, <laughs> that seemed to be, like, the consensus amongst, like, right. certain people, which I just, I feel bad because they're after, missing something. After watching the movie, like, I don't, I thought it was just, it's, I think it's great. I really enjoyed it. I thought yeah. it was uh, extremely well done. And it's very effective. Like I, it, it got me like very spooked. I'm glad I didn't see it in theaters when it came out because I can't imagine watching that in a theater full. And maybe that's why it had that stigma. Because if you watch something like that, 
in a theater full of people. Right. I don't like. I can't imagine things like people would have been saying around me, or like the different like mumblings. Because people's immediate reaction when like they when they feel any kind of emotion is to try, especially when you're around other people. Yeah. Is to try to like play it off like either by making a joke, so you kind of break that tension. They're almost afraid to like feel sad or feel scared, so yeah. they just kind of like, huh, 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 that's stupid, huh. And then that, like, makes them not afraid anymore. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that probably has a lot to do with it. Because it's a genuinely scary movie. Yeah, I would like to watch it with other people, but, like, you know, people I know and, like, a handful of people in my living room or something like that. Not, like, a theater. Because I, I would like to see other people's reactions. I'm glad I didn't watch it before we went out to shoot this movie yeah. out in the woods <laughs> because uh, I, that just would have been in the back of my mind the whole time. I'm uh, I'm thinking about going this coming Wednesday to see John Carpenter's Halloween, the original, um, in Saratoga on the big screen at Bowtie Cinemas. Oh, I didn't and know it was coming to Bowtie Cinemas. I just found out yesterday, just randomly looking at stuff online when I should have been doing homework. Is next Wednesday? Uh, yep. So the, the day night before, before Halloween. The day before, the, October yeah. 30th. Yeah. Um, that was in the future. I think they've been doing, like, older movies, I guess. Like, I think Ghostbusters is playing, um, like, this weekend, maybe. Um, but, like, I'm kind of has... I'd love to see Halloween because it's such a... It uses the widescreen so well, and I'd love to see it on the big screen. But, like, I'm wondering what people in the audience, like, what they would do, how they would respond, because it is, like, a genuinely suspenseful film, and, uh, you get, and I've seen it many times, kind of I know what happens, like, but, but I feel like anyone who's going to see Halloween, I feel like they probably have already seen it, right? And are looking maybe, for the experience or, I mean, of seeing it, it on the big screen. It is one of those movies that a lot of people have heard about, even if they haven't seen it, and they could be or they could be fans of the rob zombie version and they're like let's see what this old one's all about i don't know how likely that is but i yeah that's definitely possible i feel i just feel like you know for anyone who's really in like the the core audience of people who are would really be interested in going to see it in the theater are probably people who are already fans yeah i mean i did see hitchcock's the birds on the big screen uh last fall at crossgates as part of the fathom events and it's um when the birds are not on screen, it's a very quiet film because there's no score. It's just bird sound effects and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I was hesitant. I was like, well, it's going to be a lot of people. They're going to be like chatting and stuff. And it was just dead silence. And the whole it was sold out. And the whole audience was just in the movie. And they were with, like, that could happen with Halloween because that's it's. Yeah, definitely. But the I mean, only noises in it actually were I went with this girl I was seeing at the time who was really sick, and the only noises were coming from her sniffling and coughing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it was like, oh, I brought the noise. The the <laughs> other thing that's like you wonder about a modern audience appreciating the original Halloween is that like the original Halloween set up so many conventions that have been that have now are, are just cliche. Yeah. That have just been done over and over and over again. That like people even if they they haven't seen the original Halloween. They've seen all the elements yeah. elsewhere. Uh, popularized them. Black Christmas. Um, right. Well, if you want to get well, technical, I don't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that did camp, that did come out earlier. <laughs> but um, you know, so I, it, and there are certain things that might seem a little dated. Yeah. Um, and it's a very simple totally movie. Dated. Totally. But uh, 
so I don't know. I don't know how modern audiences would react. I mean, it it is a very it's a great film though. Creeps me the hell out, and I've seen it many times, but it still works because it's so uh, John Carpenter's an underrated master of the craft. <laughs> what do you mean under? I mean, like he's 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 considered like you know. I mean, when you talk about great horror directors, he's. Well, then why can't he really get any work? I mean, like... <laughs> well, he hasn't really made a lot of really great films recently, as of late. But if he'd been given the chance, maybe he would have. I don't know. I mean, Ghosts of Mars. All right, let's talk about something else. Vampires. <laughs> okay, maybe he lost his way somewhere between um, In the Mouth of Madness and his Village of the Damned remake. But in the... 70s and 80s <laughs> yeah he made a it lot was, of he made yeah. a lot of great great films but even 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 other things like um some of his very popular movies like escape from new york yeah which i can appreciate like i've seen it a couple times i just uh i don't know there's something about it that doesn't really it's it's weird it's a hard movie to get into I'm not really that familiar with it. I, I saw like, it you once haven't, you haven't seen it? a long time ago, like on TV late at night when I was a kid. I That's mean, one I, of those big cult movies that I should yeah, watch. Yeah, you watch but, it for... <laughs> I mean, Kurt Russell is, is great Yeah, in it. I mean, his character is really cool. But I don't know. I mean, there's... It's just not that engaging to me. But, I mean, he's made he's made other great films. Yeah, the thing, his version of the, the thing, thing is, is just, just incredible. That that is that's probably like his best movie. That's another one that I've seen many times, and um, I watched that when I was really young for the first time, and like, just uh, maybe a month or two ago, I put it on late at night, and I ended up staying up like all night watching it. Like I thought, like oh, I'll put this on and I'll like doze off or something, but you just sucked me in immediately Mm -hmm. and i had to watch the whole thing again (laughs) yeah it's been a couple years since i've seen it but yeah i mean damn that movie is just fantastic and it's interesting like i kind of i grew up watching like you know some of like john carpenter's horror movies and um now like you know as an adult watching them as somebody who's like studied cinema like i will it's interesting to see things that i didn't really pick up on i appreciate it on a, on a subconscious level but i didn't notice how great he is like using the wide screen lens and like his um his um compositions like within the frame just like used for suspense and it's to get back to the blair witch project it's a film that relies so heavily on editing as opposed to mise-en-scene, like, just, there's no, it's, because they just, they gave the actors cameras. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, they had all this footage to work with, and they were able to just, like, whittle down what probably was dozens hours, of hours, hours, I have no hours, idea, yeah. and, like, to these very effective moments. Definitely, yeah, because they, they really were good at choosing the moments that, like, you know, this is, and just edit, doing it in a way that it really, like, ratchets up the tension. Mm. Like, where when it starts, like, for the first, like, you know, 15, 20 minutes, I'm like, oh, you know, this this isn't that scary. But then, but of course it's not, because it's, uh, you know, early on in the movie. But as it goes, it, it really just gets scarier and scarier and scarier. 
and you just dread the night the nighttime coming like you just like you're thankful when it's like oh we survived another night in this daytime and uh they give you just enough moments to really sell everything and i'm i'm really glad that the, the choices they made with the sound of the film to not have like there's some like incidental music at the beginning and then again, um, and then in, in there's the no, credits, yeah, there's, there's no like, um, well, there's like, uh, some like, there's like a diegetic song, like, uh, playing, like just, it's on like in the, the car, car stereo. Yeah, yeah. And then it's just all these like real sounds, like these natural, this natural soundscape through mm-hmm. the whole film. And then they allow it a little bit of darkness and silence before the credit comes in or before the end credits come in with the, the music, which is in itself, just listening to that music is very effective actually it's a great follow-up to like you just watch this scary movie here's this creepy tune to go along with it yeah and i think that music like i was listening to it and i think that there might even be like sounds of the actors kind of like Mm. screaming or calling each other's names or something in there it's unsettling yeah Um, I i felt like i could i could hear that in there and i'm glad they didn't just like i don't know follow up this like strong experience and just have like the just like cut to like this pop tune <laughs> right yeah <laughs> well it, but what it is funny i saw in the credits it says uh you know companion album available on such yeah. and such records and i'm like what's on that album yeah i didn't i noticed that. i didn't look into that yeah it, make, it makes me wonder it also makes me wonder because last week's episode of for uh, well not last week but the week before um for carrie um i added in some music from the score yeah. And I was like, oh, that's kind of, that would be a fun thing to do for each movie that we do. Like, you know, kind of take pieces from the score and kind of like use them as the intro and outro. And I'm like, well, for Blair Witch, I don't know what, what exactly to do. <laughs> but, yeah, I'll figure it out. Yeah. But we've been, we've been talking for a while. It's probably uh, a good amount of time. So what do we got up next next week? We haven't decided. Um... This is the second movie in a row that we've discussed uh, that, <laughs> like, uh, has something to do with deliverance. <laughs> I mean, in Carrie, you know, the the last shot was uh, apparently um, a reference to the film Deliverance. Which in and of itself and, is somewhat of a spoiler for us, in a way. Yeah. Because we kind of... <laughs> <laughs> but maybe it's not something. the last shot of Deliverance. Right, maybe maybe it's something, something that happens yeah, in Deliverance. Yeah, it's true, it's true. I don't know. Um, and but then, then in, the, in the middle of Blair Witch, they explicitly reference the film. They explicitly reference Deliverance. Like, oh, this! I don't remember what they said. And something jo- the Josh like, is like, you know, haven't you seen Deliverance? Or he says he name drops Deliverance. Yeah, like to the fact that there might be rednecks out there that are going to get them or something. Yeah. Uh, which maybe that is now. What did happened. we did we no. talk about Deliverance in our first podcast? Uh, we. Talked about it in reference to Carrie, I think. Or did it come up in the first one? Also, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, we maybe we should watch it. Yeah. And uh, like before we um, either before we pick an official theme for November, or we will let our feelings on Deliverance define the rest <laughs> of the month for us. That's <laughs> kind of a, it's kind of an interesting way to go, where it's like. <laughs> Each film we have, we we choose the next one based on yeah. <laughs> some sort of tenuous connection that it has to the previous film. Say, like, hmm. Well, let's see. In Deliverance, Burt Reynolds doesn't have a mustache. 
what other films doesn't Burt Reynolds have a mustache in? <laughs> I don't, and we could just know. go with that. We'll watch, um, I don't know, Striptease. I don't think he has a mustache in that movie. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, the whole, the, the original concept was that each month we'd have a theme yeah. and then choose films each week within that theme. But we haven't picked a theme for this month for November yet. Um, but I guess something that includes Deliverance. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what categories does Deliverance fall into? Um, British filmmakers making films about America. <laughs> I don't, um, hmm. Who who is the who is the director of Deliverance? John Borman. Okay. I I know something else that he's done. Exorcist Two, The Exorcist, Heretic. That's what it is. Yes, because uh, I'm like I know I have a DVD <laughs> of, that he directed. And I'm trying to remember what it was. Exorcist Two. I think he did Zardoz. Oh, really? Um, the classic film with Sean Connery who maybe people have recognized the image of Sean Connery wearing this ridiculous kind of like leather strap sort of like cod piece. <laughs> <laughs> He's wearing just, just like a speedo cod piece made of leather with, uh, he's got like long braids and looking very, very dapper. What else did John Borman do? I think he did Excalibur and, um, that makes sense. Another Sean Connery. Uh, Hope and Glory, uh, about his World War II experiences. It was nominated for Best Picture. So uh, maybe it's John Borman month. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen a lot of John Borman. I can't think of what uh, John Borman uh, films I've seen. I've always heard good things about um, Point Blank, the Lee Marvin film. I love Lee Marvin. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen. Uh, I haven't seen that movie. Lee Marvin, I've seen a few with him. He is a character. Mm-hmm. Paint Your Wagon. You've seen others besides Paint Your Wagon, though, right? Is that your one Lee Marvin experience? <laughs> um, I think so, maybe. Oh, no. What else? What else? <laughs> the Dirty Dozen? I haven't seen The Dirty Dozen. And I like westerns. It's not a western. Oh. It's a World War II action movie. Right, right, right. I'm going to cut that out so I don't sound stupid. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the Dirty Dozen. Um, what am I th- I'm thinking of the Magnificent Seven. Yeah. I haven't seen, because I still haven't seen Seven Samurai. Ah, yeah. Um, oh, The Big Heat. Fritz Lang movie. Who's in that? I know I've seen something else with him. Oh, he's Liberty Valance. Okay. In the yeah. Manager Liberty Valance. Lee Marvin plays Liberty Valance. Right, right. Okay. I was going to say, there's one like I knew you knew. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure out what the next month is. Yeah, we'll uh, let you know. But Deliverance, <laughs> I guess, will be next week's movie. Okay. I haven't had any time to make a Halloween costume this year. This year has been going pretty quick. There's uh, not much time for anything. <laughs> this month has just been insanity. Yeah. Just totally, totally crazy. And usually, I, you know, I, I, I was on sort of a, a kick of, you know, I was, I was watching a lot of horror movies and, and stuff, and then I just ran out of time because I just got busy making Lake Nowhere. And um, 
we were supposed to have a Halloween party at my apartment, but I don't have time to organize anything, you know, to do that. When you uh, mentioned not being able to watch a lot of horror movies just now, it reminded me, I wanted to clarify something from uh, our last episode. Uh, Very briefly at the beginning of last episode, I started talking about um, Larry Cohen and the It's Alive movies. (laughs) That is right. And um, uh, I feel like I, you know, it got me thinking and uh, one night I rewatched It Lives Again and It's Alive 3, Island of the Alive. And uh, I stand by what I said about It Lives Again. It's it's a very uh, effective movie. Um, It's Alive 3, Island of the Alive. I had it all wrong. No, it is, it's very over the top, but it wants to be over the top, and I enjoyed watching it, and I look forward to watching it again someday, and uh, I just, I feel like I made, like, some disparaging remark about it. I, I think it's, um, I really enjoyed watching it again. I don't know. <laughs> it's important to be able to change your mind. Yeah. <laughs> is it anything like the Basket Case sequels? Uh, no, I enjoyed it. Um... <laughs> But again, you know, maybe if I watch Basket Case 2 a second time, maybe I'll enjoy that. I, I doubt it from what I've heard other people say about it. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I still haven't seen Basket Case uh, 3, but as far as Part 2, I'd, I'd prefer not to watch it again. Yeah, it was a while ago. That was back in the garage days that we watched that, I think. I rented it on VHS from Blockbuster... Um, I think I was still in high school. Not sure. Hmm. And Blockbuster apparently is not even going to exist in like a few days or a few weeks or something. The one in town. Is it just the one in town or is it all over? I don't know. I just heard that the one in town is going away. But I mean, it wouldn't surprise me that Blockbuster is going away. But I mean, man, how crazy is that? I'm probably going to go there this weekend and buy um, a bunch of cheap-ass DVDs. Maybe even some cheap-ass Blu-rays. Build up my Blu-ray collection uh, by for buying from Blockbuster <laughs> for like a dollar each. Which you don't even own a Blu-ray player. I do not own a Blu-ray player yet, but I have... A, you do not own an HDTV? But I have uh, four Blu-rays, I think. So, you know, once I have like ten Blu-rays, then I'll have to get a Blu-ray how ma- player. How many It'll... DVDs do you have? Oh, I have no idea. Um, more than 2,000. More than... More than 2,000. Now, is that more than 2,000 physical DVDs or more than 2,000 movies that you have spread over, like, in box sets and stuff? Physical DVDs. I have... Uh, this isn't something I'm proud of. I have a problem. <laughs> um, I have a drawer at my house of DVDs that I have not even watched. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea how many are in the drawer, but it's, um, I really need to just like lock myself in my house for a month and try and catch up. Yeah, one, I mean, one of the I movies mean, I own on DVD that I haven't watched yet is Deliverance, conveniently enough. Oh, so, well, that's nice. Yeah. I'll have, to, I'll, ha- I don't, I'll have to see if it's on Netflix. If not, then I can just borrow it from you. Yes, but, you can. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I, I, you know, I've been to your place. I mean, right now we're sitting in the Ravicon Collective Studio in the office, and um, you know, you've got DVDs here. Yeah, I have all of my uh, all of my Lucio Fulci DVDs are here because um, off and on I've been trying to work on a a writing project about his films. But... And then you go into your house and you go into the living room, 
and there's a whole wall that's totally covered with DVDs that wraps around multiple walls, yeah. sort of underneath, then goes underneath the TV. And that's just like, that's just a small percentage of, of what you have. And then you go upstairs and it just can, like every available wall space is just, it's got DVD racks and shelves and just filled with DVDs and VHS and I still have a ton of VHS. Yeah. That's another thing, actually, I would like to talk about in relation to Blair Witch Project. Sorry to get back right, to okay, it. Right, okay, yeah. Um, Sorry to get back to the movies we're supposed <laughs> yeah. to be talking about. Uh, well, I thought about mentioning it earlier, and then once we actually got here and started recording, it completely... Uh, uh, anyway, um, <laughs> there's been, like, this uh, little, like, renaissance lately uh, in regards to VHS. Uh, there's even, like, a magazine, a great magazine, called Lunch Meat, devoted to VHS and VHS culture. Mm. Um, and, uh, cause there's still a lot of films that are only available on VHS, even though DVD has been around for so long. Lake Nowhere is going to have a, an exclusive VHS home video release. There you go. And they've been releasing, uh, new VHSs lately. Um, in like, uh, Charles Band, uh, who's, you know, mostly known for, uh, uh, Full Moon and Empire Pictures. Uh, he also ran Wizard Video. Full Moon and Empire, the, the guys who did like Puppet Master CDs yeah. and Demonic Toys and just all that kind of yeah. schlocky stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, he ran Wizard Video in the early 80s, and they've been um, re-releasing some of those, like, uh, those great, like, big box uh, videos, um, because they actually had uh, extra boxes in stock, and they're like, oh, well, we can actually make money by selling these, and you can, and um, there are several uh, movies that they're re-releasing, like, from the 80s that were shot on video, like, uh, the video violence films, and uh, The Basement. And um, and there's like, you know, the tape in the box as well as the DVD. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go back. Is it, is it, uh, <laughs> Our friend Nate just showed up. Yeah. Hi, Say hi Nate. Nate. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> what are you up to? I was just teaching myself how to drive standard some more. Nice. Hey. Yeah. Nate just got a new car. I wouldn't call it new. <laughs> well, it's new to you. Yes. Yeah. We're just learning one another right now. All right. Well, <laughs> that's probably a pretty good place to wrap it up. Or you? No, were, I wasn't. Well, you, done. Were, <laughs> <laughs> you were done, Tim. VHS, get back to it. Um. Yeah. So. Um. And you know they've been uh, re-releasing shot on video films like the video violence films and the basement um you know like in these big vhs boxes usually also packaged with a dvd copy and you know by the time the blair witch project was made that the whole like shot on video thing and vhs in general was pretty much you know done or dying yeah and then like the blair witch project seems to be like the culmination of the shot on video horror film like i i can't think of any better shot on video horror films <laughs> from any period really yeah i i don't know movies that were actually shot on on vhs yeah uh, i mean yes partially shot because it you know has a 16 millimeter right, in there right, but yeah. also just like Yeah, that's uh, so. I just wanted to like touch on that mm-hmm. briefly in relation to Blair Witch and um, 
VHS. It also helped to put me in that mindset that when I popped in the tape to watch Blair Witch. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's probably the ideal way to watch yeah, the movie. Uh, the, the first thing that came up was this um, this weird ad. It had like this couple sitting on a couch and they were trying to figure out what to do that night and they were like, oh, we'll watch... They were flipping through channels like, oh, we'll watch this. Oh, I've already seen that. Oh, I don't want to see that. Oh, I've already rented that. And they look at each other like, oh, renting. <laughs> and then it's like... A, and then it's like video the only way to watch any movie you want at any time oh no and it's 1999 and they're and it's just a little over 10 years and so much has changed now blockbuster's closing down yeah it's amazing and with that (laughs) we'll close out another exciting episode of talking movies with max and tim i'm max i'm tim see you next time (laughs) 